0: so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com
1: and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. I'll be your Sherpa and host up and down Success Mountain today. Got a great guest for you, lock and loaded, ready to go. Our guest today lives in rural America on what he considers a modern homestead. Chickens, rabbits, fresh air, and dirt roads, live it a simple life. I think we all want to live a more simpler life. Not often do we get to do that. But he, along with his wife and daughter, started uh, Gratitude Garb, a brand with a mission of spreading our attitude of gratitude, one fashion statement at a time, Uh, being grateful not only leads... To personal joy, but also spreading the feeling of gratitude helps make the world a happier, more peaceful place for us all. Please welcome to the show today, Tim Young. Hey Tony,
2: great to be with you. And as you're going to find out soon enough with your your new uh, lifestyle, uh, the simple life isn't always so simple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, there's no. So far, I haven't found anything simple about the life other than I love it and I can't wait to get home. It's like a. It's like I remember waiting for Christmas in like January. <laughs> That's what it's like for me every day when I go home. I'm excited to see what's under the tree and and what's growing in my yard. So, man, first and foremost, thanks so much for wanting to be a guest, jumping on the show. You got a great message. I'm excited to uh, tell people more about what you're up to, gratitudegarb.com. But before we get there, let's ask the question, what is your definition of success? Well, my definition of
2: success would be um, finding your happy place in life, whatever that may be. I mean, a lot of people are happy with very little. A lot of people have a lot and they're not happy at all. So to me, success is, are you living a life where you're happy the majority of the time? Almost ideally, uh, every moment of every day. And that's going to be something different to everyone. For me, that was simplicity, living, t-
1: living my life with my family. Uh, but it's going to be different for every person. No, I like that. Pre-show we we chat a little bit about your life and kind of like what you're up to and then I asked a little bit about kind of how you came to kind of some conclusions. I love if you don't mind just sharing a little bit. I think you got a great story and 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 the one thing I noticed you just quickly went through it, but there's so much to unpack. It's like we could write that 11th book today. We could write <laughs> the lessons of life and everything you've learned, but before we jump into any of that, man, you show up on the show with a Steelers Football shirt on, so I got to talk to you. You, you've got some great NFL uh, inductees this last week. Just tell me, being a Steeler fan, like how was that for you? Just seeing all the greatness right there in that introduction, twenty and twenty-one.
2: Well, I think like most Steelers fans, I'm a lifelong Steelers fan and I'm a diehard Steelers fan. And there's a lot of you know football teams that have, you know, they, those great fan bases. But I became a Steelers fan in the third grade a long, long time ago, before they were any good. And it's just because you remember back in the day, you played paper football and you would flick it across the table. We were doing that in school uh, when I was like, you know, eight years old or whatever. And somehow um, we drew for teams and I became, I got the Steelers. <laughs> so I've been following them now for 50 years. <laughs> you know, they've been my team. And so to see, yeah, Bill Cowher and Tora Panamalu and all the guys this weekend get inducted. I mean, it's always great. And we always start the season as Steelers stands, thinking that this is it. This is our year again. And the Cleveland
1: Browns are going to be awful again. And that's what I'm all about. I like it. I loved all the terrible towels too. I was just made my day turning on the television to see them or, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, one of my good mentors and good friends, Vinny Fisher's out in the Cleveland area. And so I've gotten the chance to go to many Cleveland games and every time they want somebody to mess up, they just show Pittsburgh. And I come (laughs) back here and my programmer who's been with me forever, he goes, Oh, you mean the mistake on the lake. So I love the fact he's a diehard Steelers fan, my guy here. And so I love the rivalry. I love what, sports teaches us. What are some lessons that you at least can kind of help us understand a little bit from drawing that team in third grade to where you're at today? What are some lessons that uh, sports can teach us about business and life? Well, there's a a work ethic that comes from the top down in
2: organizations like the Steelers. I mean, again, I think that a lot of sports fans are going to think this about their team, but I certainly think the Rooney family um, what has taught a lot of people about what's expected of the players of that organization? Yeah, we want to win. We want to win Super Bowls. But first and foremost, if you're going to put on a Steelers uniform, you need to represent that city and that brand, and you need to always do the right thing. Secondly, there's a lot of lessons about loyalty in that organization. The Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969. You've had Chuck Noll, who won four Super Bowls, was a coach there for what, 25 years, you had Bill Cowher for about 15 years, he won a Super Bowl. And now, uh, you know, you've got Mike Tomlin, who's had never had a losing season. You've had three coaches since 1969. So what you learn in that organization is how to be loyal, how to be faithful, if you do the right
1: thing, and if you and if you do your best to achieve the goal. I love that There's so much right there to unpack. Like I was mentioning, just share a little bit about your journey up up Success Mountain. You've had a little bit of a journey. I don't want to undercut any of it, but give us like what you'd call your your highlight reel.
2: Yeah. Um, so, of course, um, in high sc- back in high school, I thought I was going to be a professional golfer. This is back when I was playing golf two hundred and fifty times a year. Had a golf scholarship at Georgia State. Started started playing golf there, and then, like, just like Bill Gates and the other guys, dropped out of college because. But unlike them, I went to a job paying three dollars and sixty-seven cents an hour, so I could throw mailbags bags in a warehouse. But mm. I started at the bottom of a Fortune five hundred company, and long story short, within. Seven years, I was actually president of a division of a Fortune 500 company without a college degree when I was 25. And I stayed at that company for another eight years in that job and decided to leave that at the top of my game in the corporate world to just to do a startup. It was a, at the time a one-person startup. It was in the technology sector. It wasn't a tech company. Uh, I was starting a marketing services agency that supported big technology companies, Funded it with a bunch of credit cards. It was me, uh, but fast forward from there. Five years later, we had 450 employees. We were in six countries. Uh, I found myself on a plane to Europe every six weeks, uh, going to Silicon Valley every two weeks, and Inc. Magazine ranked us the 130th fastest-growing country company in America. And you know, but that it was a similar business and a similar job to what I had done on the Fortune 500 side. But one thing that was missing from both of those paths for me, and I was successful with both of them, but something that was missing was it just wasn't understandable. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't know what I was doing. I did, but I couldn't explain to my mother or to a five-year-old kid what this business was all about. And that's where this, you know, the notion of the simple life comes in, Tony. Simple life doesn't mean that what we do out here is simple. What it means is that it's understandable. Oh, you know, I I can cut the grass, I can raise a chicken, I can see where my food comes from, those kind of things. The business world that I came from, the B2B business world was quite complicated. And so it was really hard to describe or even understand all these different silos of occupations that existed. So I was longing for something different. Um, This was at a time when Food Inc. was a movie that came out. Michael Pollan was writing books like The Omnivore's Dilemma. There was a lot of talk about, you know, reconnecting with the land and where does your food come from? And I got absorbed by that stuff and said, I got an idea, given that I've got an entrepreneurial background. Why don't we go buy 130 acres out in the middle of nowhere and start a farm? Now, my wife loved the idea, but keep in mind, neither one of us had ever grown up on a farm or knew anything about farming. But, you know, a year later, we had, I don't know, 150 pigs roaming around the woods. We had thousands of chickens on pasture and chicken tractors. Uh, We had about 80 cows, 150 sheep. We were producing grass-fed lamb, grass-fed beef, pastured poultry, uh, free-range pork. Um, a year or two so later, I, st- I started milking cows, of all things. I milked 24 Jersey cows. I taught myself to be an artisan cheesemaker. A couple of years later, I won awards at the World Cheese Championship, at the American Cheese Society Championship, making cheeses like Gruyere and Clothbound Cheddar and those kind of things. So doing all this really exciting and fun stuff and getting reconnected to what I consider to be real stuff. But about that time, late in my life, um, our daughter was born uh, back in 2012. And my wife and I decided that we wanted to maximize our time with her. Farming didn't really lend itself to that as much because we had to really serve our customers a lot. What we found we wanted was all the farm activities. We wanted to raise animals, we wanted to grow our own food, but we wanted to do it for ourselves more than doing it for hundreds and hundreds of customers. So we pulled back, uh, bought a smaller property, went from 130 acres back down to about 60 acres and set up what you just, what you said, it was a modern homestead where we tend to provide for most of our own needs, but, you know, we also are happy to go to Chick-fil-A or do other things like that to kind of
1: reconnect with the real world. I love it. I read this quote. It says, I've learned that the secret to happiness isn't a secret, it's simplicity. It's simply focusing on the here and now and on what's right in front of you and on what's important. I know that guy, Tim, I'm talking to. So uh great quote. It's definitely listening to your story. You know, I I bust out of the office about two, two 30 every day. And I usually go home and work until nine o'clock at night. So I'm double shifts, you know, so I fall into bed. And uh, so far I haven't uh, regretted making the decision, but going from 130 down to 60 and then kind of deciding to make food for yourself, are you still making the cheese? Are you still doing, are you still playing in that game at all?
2: Yeah, well, a little bit. I've got, I do have milk cows out here. I've got miniature Jersey cows. The thing is about the cheese is, uh, you know, you have this idea. People have this notion when they're going to go set up a homestead. Oh, I'm going to get a cow, and I'm going to milk it and make my own cheese. We we were getting five gallons a day of milk. So for for the mathematically challenged out there, that's thirty five gallons of milk a week. How many of you go to the store and buy thirty five gallons of milk a week? Nobody. So two years ago, I was making a boatload of cheese, but. The, the, you can, and when it comes to cheese, Tony, as you know, you can make all kinds of cheeses. You can make a fresh cheese, so or you can make something like a camembert or, you know, a brie or whatever. It's a soft cheese. that's really good, but it's not going to last long. Or you can make long-age cheeses like the cheddars that I made and the gruyers and stuff. So what I found myself doing two years ago was I made about 400 pounds of Parmesan, cloth-bound cheddar, Gruyere, and Gouda, and I've been aging it now for three years. So there's no reason for me to make make cheese today because I've got hundreds of pounds sitting out there. And this is the problem with a homesteading notion. Now, you know I'm an advocate of it. I've written books about homesteading, and I encourage people to, to pursue these simple lives. But the notion of homesteading came from when people had larger families and they had extended families, and we all lived on contiguous properties when you take my wife me and you know uh, this big you know nine year old and put us out here it is so easy to grow enough food for yourself that you don't have to spend much time doing it
1: yeah you know i got to tell you man i i really appreciate the illustration anybody just taking notes right you could make something really really complex do quick math and go you know maybe i'm overdoing it i don't i don't need that much <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my mom my mom worked three jobs to put food on the table for my sister and myself. And at some months, at the end of it, she'd have 17 cents left. She just didn't have enough wow. money because I I drank her out of the house. She always called it of milk. She used to send me down and buy milk. It was two dollars a gallon. And you know, I'd come home with, you know, two gallons of milk and drink it in the next 24 hours. So when you gave me 35 gallons in my head, mathematically, I was like, holy Toledo, that's a lot of money every week. And so thank you for doing that. And I definitely want to acknowledge you for finding finding a purpose, right? You've, you've made the money, seen the money, traveled the world, come back home, went to Silicon Valley, done everything. But you, you said the gift, and I hope people receive it, which is, you know, later in life, meaning you live so much of your life. And then you got to the point, I think, you know, early, you know. In the 2000s, you know, 12 or whatnot, your daughter, here she comes into your world and things simplified. And I think the process of you wanting to be there, that had to be something really, really mag- magical because not a lot of people do that. A lot of people raise their kids and they're not home. So, right. what's, a, what's some lessons that you just learned about being present? That's a big part of your mission, too, about just being present with your daughter. What are some of the fun lessons you guys are discovering together?
2: Well, you know, we set up a homeschool room right outside my office here. And when I say my office, yeah, I do live a simple life, but, you know, I've got a business background and I enjoy working. So I do have Gratitude Garb. But in addition to Gratitude Garb, I run another business called Small Farm Nation, this is a business where I build websites for farmers. I teach them how to market their business to a bunch of online courses that I have because I have a passion for small farmers and for local food, so I do that. And, and then on occasion, I do some consulting for some B2B clients that want me to do stuff. If I didn't do this stuff, Tony, I'd be going crazy out here because we've got to teach our daughter in the morning. We homeschool her. Uh, my wife does this you know, Monday through Friday in the morning and then Monday, Wednesday and, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I do homeschool in the afternoon. So the, the best thing that I've ga- gathered from this is we do it right outside uh, my office. And there's, I don't know, countless times where she is just really excited about something she just did on a paper or on a project or a poem she wrote or a drawing she did or whatever. And she burst into my office. And I apologize if she does this in a minute. She might come in here right now and say, look at this thing I just did. And you and that's what I want. You can't put a price on that. I never, ever miss any opportunity. I don't miss anything. It's not like um I can say, Well, I went to all of her events at school or whatever. No, I mean I was there for it all. And that's there's nothing more important to me than that reality, being there for the good, the bad, or when she's struggling, or when she's proud, being there for all those moments. Yeah, Jim Rohn talks about it. Don't miss anything, right? I'm like, don't miss right. anything. But, and-, and it's a choice that we all have, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? I mean, you know, One of the hardest things I ever had to do, Tony, um, was back when I had that corporate job when I was president of a division of a Fortune 500 company. This is back in 1995, and I'm making a lot of money. I've got a lot of stock options that are about to be worth seven figures if I just stay another four months. All I got to do is stay another four months. Just stay another four months. And I quit. I walk away from it all. And those were, those were cliff options. So walking away from it all means you get nothing. I walked away from it all because I wanted freedom. And I didn't see myself on a path of freedom there. Once I realized that I was never the kind of sellout person. Well, okay, I'll stay a few more months and then I'll go. I'm just, I just don't have that in me. And I think that does, you know, obviously I didn't learn that back to your earlier question from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but all this kind of, all this forms who you are, what your values are, you know, doing what you think is the right thing for yourself. So for me, that hard choice was, I, I wanted to walk away from the, at the top of my game and go start something that I thought was a path towards freedom to me. Back then I defined freedom as having my own business. Now that was a good path for me, but what I really found after that next journey was I wanted something that was just simpler, something more understandable that wasn't part of that rat race game.
1: I love it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking today to uh, Tim Young, so much insight. And uh, if you're following along in the narrative, you know, smallfarmnation.com. If you run a farm and look and have a website, you can go talk to him. It's some of his passion right there. Teach you some courses, smallfarmnationacademy.com. We'll get all of the show notes today so you can learn about the gratitudegarb.com and more. Just really cool. Stick around. We'll be right back today with our special guest, Tim Young on the Beef Fulfilled Podcast Show. We're going to take a quick break. And since
0: Tony's taking one, let's take one together. Let's take a deep breath. Wherever you are, feel those ribs expand, that chest lift towards your chin. Let's do it now. That feels good, right? That's one of over 23,000 breaths you're going to take today. You don't even think about it. You are focused on that one. That's life. That's rejuvenation. That's the moment right here. And thanks for doing that with me. We all matter. Those breaths matter. Let's remember them.
1: And let's get back to the show. All right, we're back on the of Hill podcast show. Coming down Success Mountain today, special guest, uh, Tim Young. I love it. Spreading gratitude by wearing gratitude. Um, I'm a big believer your attitude is everything. So if you have a bad attitude, most likely you're not celebrating or experiencing gratitude in your life. And you're wondering, what can I do about it? Well, Get a gratitude list. Put some stuff down on paper, and uh, you know gratitude. I always have said, and your negative attitude can't live on the same space. So choose choose a side today and write some things that you're thinking in your head. And uh, I, I love to just write. And people often say, "Well, I don't know where to start." I'm like, "Well, maybe just put that you're grateful you can see today, and start with the things that you're putting down on paper." So Tim, welcome back. I love what you're up to. Talk to me the reason behind. Gratitude Garb. I, I get it. I understand it. But I like to hear your words explained to our listeners. GratitudeGarb.com. Tell me tell me why you got into this and, and the mission for, for all of that.
2: Yes, yeah, so I'll tell you how it started and then I'll tell you why this is important to me personally. So it started in our homeschool room. Because as an entrepreneur by background, one of the things that I want to teach my daughter is I want her to have the skills and the confidence to start her own business. So in the past year, in the third grade, I was teaching her courses on business. And we sat here one morning. I created a template for her, a business plan template with 10 questions. And I said, let's come up with a business idea that you and I and mommy can start together as a business. And so now we also have this, You know, behind me, I have this gratitude tree on the wall here that Every Friday morning, she and I will think about what we're feeling grateful for and we'll write a note on that tree and we'll put it up there. And sometimes she does silly, you know, third grade stuff, but sometimes it's pretty serious tough stuff too. Like what you said, I'm grateful to be alive, grateful to be breathing or whatever it may be. So after we had done that, we st- we had this business lesson and we said, what kind of business can we come up with? And we were talking about how we feel good when we express gratitude. Mm-hmm. When we dug deeper into that, we said, you know, it's actually impossible to feel bad when you feel grateful. When you truly feel grateful, you have to feel joyous. I mean, they are synonymous. They go together. So our idea our idea was, is there a way that we can share that with people and get other people to feel grateful? And that led us down the path of creating an apparel business, an apparel brand with designs and messages of gratitude. Now, the reason this is important to me, Tony, is I think it's very hard for a lot of people to feel grateful. This is why you can do a search on Amazon or Google and, you know, start with the word gratitude and boy, you're going to find thousands of reviews and links to gratitude journals and gratitude jars and gratitude this and that. People are looking for ways to feel grateful, which means they they understand that there's benefits associated with gratitude, but they also understand they ain't feeling grateful. I believe a lot of this has problems rooted in capitalism. And in our Western society, because if you think about my path and what happened back in my corporate days and everything I've done, it's all about, well, I'm here now, but I achieved this last year, but now I've got to achieve this next year in business. I've got to make my next quarter quarters numbers. I got to make the next year's numbers. And it relates as it relates to us as individuals. I've got a neighbor there. They've got a new car. I I thought my car was fine, but maybe my car isn't fine. Or that house sure looks nice. Maybe I need a bigger house. Or there's some new clothes out. Maybe I need some new clothes. And what's happening subliminally without us thinking about it is we're always thinking about the next thing. Well, if you're thinking about the next thing, what are you not thinking about? You're not thinking about what you have. You're not thinking about what's right in front of you. So when I think about gratitude, And what I talk to my daughter about all the time is I say, in the history of humanity, going back tens of thousands of years, do you understand how much of a wizard you would be if you could tell people that you have a faucet that water comes out of? And guess what? It can come out hot. You just do this and get hot water. Not to mention flushing toilets, not to mention refrigeration. We don't need these fancy things to be grateful. Just think about the amazing things we have in front of us every day that makes our life so convenient so luxurious. We all live better than pharaohs and kings, but what do we think? We think that we don't have enough. Absolutely.
1: And, and, and such a valid point. I love, I love the illustration too. It's really easy to, you know, to go back, you know, imagine if you, you showed a pharaoh today that you had a real running water, electricity, (laughs) what, what they'd be like, huh? Sorcery, you know? Oh, yeah, it would be. I think that the, your point is so valid. Uh, I try you know, with everything that I do with my kids and my wife and I, you know, we live in the present. The only moment that matters is the one I'm in right now. All my distractions, everything that I've got going on. When I'm in a meeting or on a podcast, all those distractions really have to just be gone. So I can focus on the person who's giving me their time. And I, and I often tell people the, the most important currency you'll ever exchange is a relationship. And if your exchange rate stinks, then you ask yourself, what do you need to do to become more valuable in the marketplace, in the valuable in a relationship? And it's giving people time and gratitude is right there on my ranks of things to do is, you know, if I wake up and I'm in a bad mood, then I know I'm not in gratitude. And the quickest way to get out of the funk is to, to put some stuff down on paper and pause for a moment. So good, good reminders. So GratitudeGarb.com, all types of sizes, everything is available there. What's Even your daughter do for the company? It, it, what, what does she get to do?
2: Well, she so far, so we actually, um, I've done podcasting on and off for about 12 years. I had farm podcasts for years and self-reliant podcasts, but we've started a podcast for our business as well. And we are 11 episodes into it and she's on every one. And so you can listen to her, you know, every now and then contributing and learning. And part of her being on there is for us to teach her. How business works, how you start a business, how you conceive an idea, how you bring it to fruition, and whatnot. And I'm looking forward to listening back to this in ten years when we've hopefully done a thousand episodes, when we can hear her, you know, progress through it. So she she was up
1: for all that. She was up for wanting to do the podcast. She there's
2: she's up for ten minutes of it. And after and after that, on the she could never do this, you know, long form podcast. But, uh, you know, if we if we have a format and she says it's got to be less than like 24 minutes or whatever. So she watches the clock and then she can do that. And then that's about all she can do. But when we designed a logo for the business, she participated in the logo design, uh, bo- both with us, you know, scripting out what we thought it should look like. But also when I hired a freelancer uh, to do the logo, she participated in the review process. Uh, She has participated in some of the product expressions and we're doing a little bit of a rebranding right now where we're designing a mascot to go with gratitude. Uh, The mascot's going to be a dog actually. And she's participated with this as well. And the reason I chose a dog Tony is one of the things I've been struggling with is getting, with getting this message across on these shirts is I think anybody can put an expression of gratitude on a shirt. I, I, to some extent, they're a, a dime a dozen, but well, one of the reason I like dogs is I've been thinking about well, how do I convey the simplicity, the natural essence of gratitude. To me, not, no one, no animal in the world is more grateful than a dog. You walk away for five minutes, you come back. It's like, oh my gosh, I've never seen you before. I'm so excited to see you. The dog is so excited. If the dog finds a stick, wow, a stick. The next day it can find the same stick or find a ball. Wow, it's a ball. And they're so excited all the time. What, what that means is they're so innately grateful. And I wanna capture the essence of that simple gratitude and see if I can help people see the answer for gratitude for you is right in front of you whether it's the running water or whether it's your family or whether it's the fact that you just feel good right now, there's a lot to be grateful for.
1: Well, Hey, that there's no better way to wrap up our show than just, uh, on an attitude of gratitude. I'm grateful for you. I love the the way you describe your dog. I have a dog named Oliver. He's almost four years old. He's a hundred percent miniature poodle. And we, uh, we, we comb him out and brush him out. So he looks like he's got dreads and, uh, and he is, <laughs> he is such a fun dog, but I, I think it was Sunday night. I was on my bed. My wife was reading and he was kind of like nestled in between us. And I just went over and I just said, tell me about your day. Right. I just looked at my dog and I just said, tell me about your day. And I said, Oh, you're too tired. So let me tell you what I saw. And I just shared my gratitude for how he just loves. And I love that oh. uh, dog dogs are the, some of the most Every time I get in my tractor, first thing, the dog wants to run up on my lap and and drive the tractor. If I get in the side-by-side, first thing he wants to do is, can I drive the side-by-side? Like He will go anywhere I am willing to take him. Right. They are so happy at all times and they're so grateful. And that's the way we should all be. Yeah. Well, hey guys, that is Tim Young. I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes, gratitudegarb.com. You're going to learn all about that and so much more. Follow along if you're interested in farming and you want a website for your company, or you want to learn how to kind of become more of a homestead guy, he's got a lot of books, a lot of information. So there'll be a lot of links on this episode over at TonyGrebmeyer.com. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question.
0: How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life?